Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And we thank you for listening to another edition. Coming up, we're going to talk to Chip Carey, the voice of the Atlanta Braves, as they conclude their final spring training out at Disney. We'll talk about that and also share some of his magic memories from his time as the voice of the Orlando Magic. And yeah, I am doing a second podcast this week, two weeks in a row with two podcasts. Um, I'm not sure if I can keep this pace up on a regular basis, but lots of going on in the world of sports as we uh, hit March Madness time, and there's just lots of great things to talk about, and therefore, we decided to go with a little extra uh, dose of the podcast this week, and uh, if my voice sounds a little bit raspy, well, I'll tell you why. Yes, I was at CFE Arena last night for the UCF Knights. 58-55 victory over the Cincinnati Bearcats. Great crowd last night. Over 9,000 to watch senior night. Taco Fall. Dayon Griffin. BJ Taylor. Man, what a what a what a great effort last night as the Knights knock off their second ranked opponent. Their second ranked opponent in the last five days and what a great win for UCF further cementing their place in the NCAA basketball tournament and I tell you what BJ Taylor was not going to let them lose that game Uh, he was just clutch and fortitude down the stretch just like he has been many many times over the uh, last uh, four years playing for UCF. Uh, just a tremendous effort there. You know, when Brandon Helwig was on the program with me a few days ago, we talked about how this game was going to be a rock'em, sock'em affair. And Cincinnati's reputation, I think, you know, lets them get away with a lot. The referees tend to uh, look the other way on a lot of that stuff. They are probably one of the handsiest teams in college basketball. Uh, but they still uh, get to... Uh, you know, get away with quite a bit there. But the Knights, you know, they 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 managed to stave off uh, another comeback attempt like they did against Houston, and they got it done down the stretch. Chad Brown with a huge rebound, and uh, B.J. Taylor with the one at the end of the game. And UCF now will close out their season come Saturday at Temple. Temple uh, on the bubble, so they're going to be revved up trying to lock down a at-large bid for themselves in the NCAA basketball tournament. So it should be a good one. Hopefully the Knights will be able to uh, continue uh, to uh, keep playing well as they go into uh, the American Conference Tournament next week. One note to to bring up, Aubrey Dawkins tweaked his back, so he did not play down the stretch. Um, That is something they'll want to keep an eye on. Obviously, they're going to need Aubrey uh, uh, come the time of the NCAA tournament. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if he uh, does not play on Saturday against Temple. Well, the Atlanta Braves are about to conclude a 22-year run with Orlando as their spring training home. Joining the podcast now to talk about that, as well as preview the Braves' 2019 season, 
is the television voice of the Atlanta Braves and one-time voice of the Orlando Magic, which is one reason why he'll sound so familiar. We welcome Chip Carey. Chip, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Jeff. Glad to be with you. So is it a bittersweet spring training knowing it's the final one in Orlando, but knowing there's a new special place awaiting on the West Coast in Northport? I guess to a certain degree. Look, Disney was a wonderful place for us, a wonderful host for uh, spring training after all those great successful years for the Braves in West Palm Beach, Florida. But look, the economics of the game are such uh, that uh, a lot of teams have moved out of Central Florida. They've gone to both coasts in Florida, and some teams from Florida have actually gone on to uh, Arizona. So uh, the the economics of it and the geography of it means that uh, the closest team for the Braves was in Lakeland, the Tigers. And other than that, it would be two or three four-hour bus rides for uh, the ball club with road trips and overnight stays. And uh, as you know, anybody who's spent any time around a big league team knows we take enough road trip and sleep in foreign beds uh, enough for, uh, for one summer. So, uh, you know, all things must change. We're very excited about the Northport facility. There'll be a lot more teams closer than uh, uh, the Lakeland Drive. We won't have to deal with I-4 much anymore. And, uh, you know, time marches on. We're still in the great state of Florida, but we won't be at Disney, which is, uh, you know, certainly going to be a change for all of us. So do you have any uh, intel on the new Cool Today Park that uh, you're looking forward to when the Braves play their final spring season game there on the 24th? <laughs> No, I've not been down there. I know it's supposedly going to be a beautiful facility. Look, uh, the bottom line is, as well with Disney, when the Braves moved there, it was state-of-the-art, and it's not. And that's not in any way, shape, or form a knock on the folks at Disney. But, uh, you know, the primacy for Disney wasn't maintaining a up-to-date, super-modern Major League Baseball spring training site. And I can understand that. There wasn't a team that played there. Uh, you know, the Braves had the facilities there, and I think they had a Florida State League team there that played there from time to time. But there's so many other things going on with that wide world of sports complex that uh, for a Major League team and the, the uh, advanced facilities that the organizations want for their players beginning in spring training, and frankly, uh, when they have injuries or the offseason, they just weren't going to be there at the Disney complex. And so, uh, I think the Braves made a wise decision. They've got their own place. They control it. They own it. They can build it to their specifications. It's state-of-the-art. It's modern. And quite frankly, that's what the players expect these days. So, uh, again, I think all of us with the Braves are grateful for everything Disney has done for us in the past. And uh, uh, we wish them well. And the Braves are, as I said, very excited about their new facility down in Northport. Well, I've got to think the organi- the organization has to have a great vibe with this new facility, one of the nicest new stadiums with SunTrust Park at the Battery in Atlanta, and a solid young team aiming now to defend their division championship from last year. Yeah, 2018 was a lot of fun for all of us. Uh, you know, sometimes God taps you on the shoulder of the baseball gods and say, hey, this is your year. And I think it was for the Braves. I think it maybe came a year earlier than they expected. But, you know, that's something you can't control. And they've got a terrific young core of, uh, of terrific offensive talent. They've got a ton of pitching on the way. Uh, some of that is showing uh, up in spring training this year. Um, and, look, they won 90 games last season rather unexpectedly. And, and all the preseason projections figure this club an 86 to 87 win team and a much more difficult National League East, which leads you to believe that it's going to be another fun season in 2019. And hopefully Atlanta can defend the championship and uh, maybe add a few pieces before opening day like they did last year to bolster the ball club. But we'll see. Uh, everybody's cautiously optimistic. And uh, again, last year is last year. We move forward confidently and hopefully the Braves can uh, put together another championship season. 
So the Braves have added a three-time All-Star, former AL MVP, and a big bat in Josh Donaldson, a former baby Brave Brian McCann, now back as a grizzled veteran, Nick Markakis back for another year. What do these veteran leaders mean to the club? Uh, well, look, Nick Markakis was incredibly steady, won the gold glove last year, hit fourth most of the season, doesn't hit for a lot of power, but was a, a, a huge on-base machine, had a great first half of the season, and is a, a true pro. Nick is a Teddy Roosevelt kind of player, and by that I mean very simply, he speaks softly and carries a big stick. When he <laughs> says something, everybody stands up and takes notice. Uh, the guy's a pro's pro, uh, he knows how to play, and all he wants to do is win. And uh, while he doesn't say an awful lot, uh, he's a guy that I think commands ultimate respect with everybody in the locker room. Uh, you all know about Brian McCann. Uh, Baby Brave, as you mentioned, uh, one of the most popular Braves. He's had a storied career. He's won a world championship. Uh, I think uh, that speaks volumes as to what the Braves are hoping to get from him. Uh, it's one thing to dream of going to the World Series. It's another to play in it. And it's another thing entirely beyond that to actually win. Uh, a World Series. And Brian McCann did that with the Houston Astros. Uh, I talked to Brian right after he signed. Uh, he said the woes that he has statistically last year because he had a bad knee, that's been fixed. He feels great. He's got his swing back. It would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form to see Brian McCann have a gigantic year uh, in tandem with Tyler Flowers behind the plate. And as you said, Josh Donaldson, I think, is kind of a wild card. Uh, the Braves signed him to a one-year contract. It's a great deal for both sides. Josh will try to rebuild his value after two injury-plagued years. Uh, the Braves will try to reap the rewards of a former MVP who's playing for another contract. The big question for Donaldson, very simply, is can he stay healthy? He hasn't done that the last couple of years. Uh, that is a concern. Um, but if he does, and if he plays like Josh Donaldson did a couple of years ago, having an MVP caliber hitter in the middle of the Braves lineup, one through four in some way, shape, or form, is going to make an already pretty good Atlanta offense a whole lot deeper and a whole lot more threatening. So uh, from an offensive standpoint, with Ozzie Olbees, with Ronald Acuna, with Ender Enciarte's big year, with Dansby Swanson finally healthy, uh, I think the Braves are going to be a very dynamic, high-scoring offense, hit a lot of home runs, and uh, support the pitching staff, which will be fun. Well, you mentioned the young core earlier, you know, Rookie of the Year, Ronald Cunha Jr., Ozzy Albies had a big splash, Johan Carmago, Dancy Swanson, and Freddie Freeman's still a, somewhat of a young player, so how impressive is this core? Well, Freddie Freeman's, you know, on pace for maybe a Hall of Fame career. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know he's, he's a pro's pro. He wants to play every day. I think what's going to be interesting to see this year is how Brian Snicker juggles his lineup. We saw in the playoffs with the Dodgers last year the difference in the two organizations at this point in their uh, existences, and that was the Dodgers had tremendous, tremendous depth off their bench. They had four or five guys that could start for every other major league team, and they were reserves. The Braves didn't have that luxury. I, I think that's something that, that's going to be improved this year with Johan Camargos being a super utility-type player. Adam Duvall is going to be in the outfield as it stands now with Nick Markakis. And Freddie Freeman, who, as I said, wants to play every day, probably won't. And I, I think the Braves saw that in September that some of the guys that they were riding all summer long for the heat and humidity of a deep south Georgia summer, uh, they wore down a little bit. And so I think the Braves are going to be a lot more judicious in how they manage playing time, giving guys uh, uh, strategic days off, days of rest, just to clear their heads and to stay healthy over the course of the long season. So, uh, you know, those young players, those, those guys have fresh legs. Some of the not-so-young guys don't. But ultimately, the challenge will be to keep everybody as fresh as they can for what we hope to be a meaningful September. 
As far as the starting pitching goes, Mike Fultonovich, he made strides. Julio Tehran can be as dominant as can as he can be when he is on. Kevin Gosman provided a big lift last year coming over from Baltimore. Sean Newcomb continues to grow. Who's going to nail down that fifth spot? That's, I think, the open question. Uh, you know, the, the big concern that the Braves had in the early days of spring training was they had some nagging injuries. Luis Gohara still got a tender shoulder. Gossman had kind of a tender shoulder. A.J. Minter had a tender shoulder. And Mike Fultonevich had a little bit of a tender elbow. Um, those guys all seem to be on the mend, although Fultonevich has missed some time. I don't know if Mike is going to be able to uh, start opening day for the Braves. You would think he would have been the opening day starter. Um, but for him, you know, this this time that he's lost, he may pitch in the first week of the season, but maybe not in the opener uh, for Atlanta against the Phillies. And that then leads to the question, who does start? You could make a case for Sean Newcomb because the Phillies have all those left-hand bats. You mentioned Julio Tehran, who I think has started more opening days than anybody except Warren Spahn in Braves history. Wow. It's a big year for Julio. Um, you know, he, he's he's had first-inning troubles, and he's had troubles uh, in his home ballpark. Hopefully those won't be uh, apparent in 2019 because Julio's a guy that can give you 180 to 200 innings. But there's a whole host of arms that are coming through this system that the Braves are very, very excited about. And, uh uh, it's going to be a very interesting camp in that regard as to who nails down the last spot. How's the bullpen shaping up, and will the Braves make make an attempt to reacquire Craig Kimbrell? Well, that's a question for Alex Anthopoulos. Uh, you know, I, I think Brian Sticker said it a couple of times last year that one thing he felt the Braves needed at this juncture in their development was a dude. And by that, a guy who, as I said, has been there. It's one thing to have talent and think about guys that can pitch in postseason play, but it's another thing to go out and get those kinds of guys. Think of the Cubs and what they did with John Lester, who uh, you know maybe arrived a year or so early for Chicago, but when things got uh, very exciting for him in 2016, uh, he was the bell cow and showed him how to do it and won that ever-elusive world championship. So, uh, you know, a dude at the beginning of the game, a dude at the end of the game would be great, but uh, obviously economics play a part in that, and uh, it doesn't seem like anybody's willing to uh, make a deal with Atlanta that makes sense from the Braves' standpoint. So, uh, you know, it looks like for now, uh, Alex Anthopoulos is going to uh, bank on these young kids and let them grow up in front of our eyes. And if uh, there's a better deal to be made in July at the deadline, perhaps that's one he'll strike, and hopefully the Braves will be in, in position to, uh, to capitalize on that. So Brian Snicker, I think he did a great job in helping to accelerate the rebuild. Nationally, I think he's very underrated. And what's made him successful, and how has he meshed with, meshed with Alex Anthopoulos? Uh, fantastically. If, if they hadn't, they wouldn't have signed him to a two-year contract. So I, I think that's been uh, apparent. Uh, Brian is a lifelong Brave. He is a Brave. Uh, I think his, you know, uh, uh, his baseball life uh, was molded by Bobby Cox, who was as old school baseball as you could get. Uh, I think what Brian has done very well is adapt. And in our sport, if you don't adapt, you die. Uh, he's very open to the analytical side of things. He's taken uh, the suggestions of the the, the uh, propeller heads, as Freddie Gonzalez has <laughs> called them, and incorporated that information in a way that's helped the Braves win some games. But I think Brian's greatest strength is uh, he's a great communicator. Uh, you know exactly where you stand with him. Uh, he is uh, like Bobby Cox and that he's very protective of his players. But he's also very exacting in how he thinks the game should be played. And he's been able to blend the 
new school analytical side of the game with the old school way of doing things and playing the game the right way. And in this day and age, that's very, very difficult to do. And for him to earn the trust of guys like Alex and his uh, his uh, analytics-minded staff, uh, I think speaks volumes as to how adaptable Brian is in the dugout. All right, so this season, Jeff Rancourt is going to be the lead analyst most of the time. What does Frenchie bring to the table that excites you about the telecast this season? Oh, he, he's, you know, Jeff's, uh, uh, you know, a dear friend. Uh, you know, in 2005, when he got to the big leagues and made his first road trip, I had to tie his tie for him because he didn't <laughs> know how to do that. So it's kind of like having a prodigal son come and sit next to you in a broadcast booth. Uh, Jeff's going to be terrific. Uh, you know, he brings a youthful element to our broadcast. Jeff has played with many of the guys that are still active in the game. He's going to have access to those guys in a way that uh, guys like myself wouldn't necessarily have. And so uh, I've said several times, I can teach Jeff how to broadcast. I think what he's going to do a great job in is teaching our fans how the modern player thinks and approaches the game. And uh, as I said earlier, it's adapt or die. It's a different game now. The way that uh, players today approach things is a lot different than uh, it, it was 15, 20, 30 years ago and many of us in this business got started. And uh, I know he's very excited about getting behind the microphone. He's uh, a natural. I think he's going to be our uh, baseball Tony Romo. At least that's my goal for him. <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of fun. Tom Glavin's going to be back for 25 or 30 games. And uh, Joe Simpson will be back in the booth as well. So I'll look to my right and see who's there and have a good time with all three of them. And hopefully uh, they'll have a lot of great highlights and moments to, to analyze this year. Well, given that you spent a lot of your career, at the, really the start of your play-by-play career here in Orlando as the voice of the magic, I've done several segments with various guests over the last couple of months, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your memories of that time as the Magic are playing their 30th season, which is unbelievable to me. Um, yeah, it's hard to believe. You know, <laughs> you know, you know I, my, my standard line with that is uh, Pat Williams hired me when nobody else would have taken a chance on me. I had no basketball experience. Um, but he saw something in me that I probably didn't even see in myself. And uh, when Bob Neal at the uh, NBA uh, All-Star Game in Houston mentioned my name to Pat, he was intrigued, and uh, Pat brought me in and and hired me. Uh, Look, I was 24 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, the, The Magic, I think, won 15 games that year, and I was worse than the team. Uh, but but Pat in the front office stuck with me. Matt Gukas was uh, incredibly helpful and patient with me. Taught me a lot of things that uh, you know I didn't know that I didn't know. And I'm grateful for the fans who let me grow up before their eyes. You know, I, 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 I'm fully honest in saying this. If Twitter were around, my broadcasting career probably would have ended pretty quickly uh, in 1989 because I was just so green behind the ears. But uh, I had the good fortune of working with Jack Givens, who was extremely patient, was like a, an older brother to me. Uh, David Steele, who's in the Magic Hall of Fame, was outstanding, and a fellow Georgia Bulldog, and we had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. And the guys on the team uh, themselves were, were, were tremendously generous with their time. Uh, Scott Skiles, dear friend. Uh, Jeff Turner, fantastic. Got along great with Shaq and Horace Grant. Bob Hill, Brian Hill. Uh, you know, to be able to grow up with a franchise like the Magic, like I did, when you're the you know one of the first announcers in an expansion year, uh, you really do see things from the ground up in the beginning, and to see how far the franchise came in such a short period of time, and to be along for that ride was really the thrill of a lifetime. Yeah, and when I think back about that, you know, think about 1995. That was a great year for the Carey family. You calling the Magic as they rose to make it to the NBA Finals, and your dad calling the Braves, bringing home a world championship. That'd be pretty special. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, you know, uh, 
95 was a, a you know great baseball year for the Braves. And I always told Pat Williams, look, I'm a baseball guy at heart. And I was heartbroken when uh, uh, Orlando didn't get one of the expansion franchises in the major leagues. But, uh, yeah, the, the NBA Finals and that ride, I mean, I tell people all the time that uh, being on the plane with the Magic was, I, I guess, like traveling with the Rolling Stones or what I would imagine it would be like. You had Shaq, you had Penny, you had Dennis Scott, Horace Grant, uh, Donald Royal. I mean, you had really cool, unique personalities that were on that team. And we landed in Milwaukee at 3 o'clock in the morning in 20 degree below zero weather. And there were 15, 20 people outside the hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning waiting to get people's autographs. Wow. Uh, and to, to watch that, to watch that team uh, just just buzzsaw their way through people and, and develop an attitude and a belief that, holy crap, we can really win and do this was, uh, was really, really fun to see. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate the way the finals ended up because I firmly believe if, if a couple of free throws go in game one, the magic probably win the world championship. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be, but it in no way diminishes how great, uh, that, that, that run was for the Atlanta magic with the luck of the ping pong balls and all that came with that. So, uh, yeah, 95 was great. A lot of fun, uh, great memories, uh, great stories, great personalities. And, uh, hopefully the magic can get back to that kind of prominence sooner rather than later. Well, Chip, I certainly appreciate your time tonight, and uh, it's been great to catch up with you after all, all these years. And uh, best uh, best to you and the, the broadcast of the Braves this year and to the Braves for 2019. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, good luck to the Magic as well. And I really thought it was interesting what Chip said about Twitter because it is a necessary part of you know what podcasters do, what broadcasters do, and things like that. But, boy, there's just a lot of vile mean people out there that you know hide behind their twitter avatar and have no guts so i thought that was an interesting comment uh you know and and i i liked his honesty there about you know how he had to grow into the role being a play-by-play guy and he really did that while he was here one of the things i can think back to was 1992 game against new jersey and this happened Puts it on the floor and stops Eddie brought it down. He brought the whole goal down. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Man. Just glad he wasn't hurt that time. I mean, that thing came straight down. He brought the whole thing down. Oh, it broke off right on the on the fence there, on the hinge there. Unbelievable. Oh, man. He's done it in Phoenix. He's done it in the biggest media market in the world. Look at this. Unbelievable. There was a foul on the play, too, but that's sort of incidental. Interesting that... Chip did there what uh, is a lost art now in in uh, television broadcasting. After the the goal came down, he dropped out, and you heard the crowd reaction, and you and you hear Goose Givens, his partner there, uh, just you know, just amazed by the moment. So, but uh, yeah, again, that's a lost art now. You can imagine like Joe Tessitore just continuing to babble. <laughs> After all that happens. So, and I thought another one of Chip's great performances was in the uh, 95 playoffs when the Orlando Magic closed out Boston Garden. Here's Dominique Porter. Rejected Hardaway. And the Magic have the ball. 47 seconds.
Avery, high drive, dishes off. Dennis Scott for two big shots. Rubat dunk shot. Dufano and the dunk. And the Magic have the lead with a vicious two-handed hammer. So... Again, now 1995 was such a, an amazing year as the Magic were, were just six years into being a franchise and making their way to the NBA Finals. So I had thought I had retired our, uh, our series on the 30 years of Orlando Magic, but obviously with uh, the opportunity to have Chip on the podcast, uh, we had to talk about that. Speaking of the Braves, I'm going to be heading there later today as they take on the Phillies out at Disney so I can get uh, one of my last spring training uh, trips in the local area. I definitely plan on traveling to the west coast of Florida in future years to uh, catch spring training, but uh, be there with my pals, Jay Cresswell, Mark Edwards, and Keith Feeney. We were all together at WGTO in the 90s, so uh, we get to go out there and get the band back together. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer's Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.